All right, it's Father's Day. Who wants to go fishing? This is Dad's Day. Ah, it's gonna be fun. Oh, no, no, too close to the edge. Don't do that. Hey, you don't. You don't even have any bait. Yeah, I know. I forgot snacks. Don't eat the bait. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, 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 okay. What's that? You have to go potty. <sighs> All right, and there you go. All untangled, buddy. Now Daddy's gonna do some fishing. No. Juno, what is this? All right, I hope you guys are hungry. Dad's making steaks. Hey, babe. What? I just put some mac and cheese on for the kids, but can you watch it? I need to go nurse Otto. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll take care of it. <sighs> just want to be in the zone. I got my sirloin and my burgers on top. Whoa, medium rare. Daddy. What's that? The noodles are spilling everywhere. No, no, God, God. Uh. All right, noodles are done. What did you guys do? No, guys, come on. Can I just ask why? 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 Yeah, babe, I'm coming to bed. Just give me a minute. Happy Father's Day to me. <sighs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. <clears throat> Hey, I want to welcome you guys, you know, to Father's Day. Those of you are watching online, glad to see you here as well. Um, we want to honor you, you know, as fathers. Uh, we want to celebrate you and encourage you on this day. That's the goal. That's the reason that we're here. And so let's start off with a bang. Um, and so if you are a father, can you please stand? Because we just want to honor you. And let's hear it, ladies and kids. Good. A lot of dads around. Love that you're here. Uh, it's interesting because in, in our culture today, um, men and fathers are not encouraged. They're not esteemed, and most often they're not celebrated. Uh, they're usually depicted in, in the media as morons, as weak, as deadbeats, you know, or the opposite, as the villain, the violent, or the womanizer. So it got me thinking, uh, what are characteristics that come to mind of when you think of a man, that that's a man. You know, what does that kind of look like? What image comes to mind? So let me just throw out a couple that I thought of. The, the first would be like workout guy, right? This is, this is a man. This is what a man looks like, you know, uh, when you think of a man. Maybe, maybe this image comes to mind, successful businessman. You know, maybe that's what comes to mind. That's Elon Musk. You know, like, well, all right, there's a man. Uh, what about a man's man? You know, uh, Mr. <laughs> Ron Swanson, some of you guys may be aware or not be aware of the man's man, you know. Um, what about the handyman? Uh, that uh, is uh, the better half of the Gaines family, you know, the Chip and Joanna uh, Gaines, and that's Chip, you know, Gaines. Uh, without Chip, uh, she would have some nice drawings. So just want you to know, man, there's an important part, you know, to the, to the Gaines family. Handyman. What about, what about a car guy? You know, is that what comes to mind? Mr. Jay Leno has just a couple of them. What about the tech or smart guy? Uh, you know, Mr. Bill Gates. Um, um, one of my favorites is, what about the man who just knows it all? The most interesting man alive, you know? Um, and then maybe there is one that encompasses all the men together. And that would be uh, Chuck Norris, uh, obviously. You know, Chuck Norris. And because it's 11 o'clock, we have an 11 o'clock special. I'll let you know that actually Chuck Norris was part of our car show. And so I want to make sure you let you know that uh, he has visited us. And so here was Chuck Norris representing Valley Real Life. So, you know, as, as truly a man's man with the water. So 
He was in a Mercedes out there, but he decided to make an appearance just for 11 o'clock out here. So thank you, Terry and Bev, you know, for that. So what is a man supposed to be or look like today? It is one of the topics of conversation that's in our culture. And there's two ways primarily to find out or discover that. One is apart from the creator, separate from the creator. And that would be you discover it on your own. And you would discover it based on how you feel, what you think, uh, maybe examples that you grew up under, uh, maybe uh, depictions in the media, maybe other people or other people's family. And that's how kind of how you figured out what it was looked like or what it means to be a man. The other would be to actually look at the creator, uh, to look at God and say, God, you're the one that started this in the first place. Maybe there are some characteristics of what it means to be a man and also a father in our culture that is timeless. Some things that we can apply, you know, in all situations. Uh, and now we're going to look differently, but what are some of these principles? I'm just going to walk through three, you know, little ones. Now, the temptation of this message on what it means to be a man is instantly to think that you don't measure up, that uh, you feel shame, that you're not good enough. And I just need to make sure you know as men, that would be a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, because either I didn't do a good enough job or you latched on to something that is not what I tried to intend or what God wanted you to hear. Because I need you to know and I need you to remember who you are, who you are. You see, men, you are created in the image of God. That is who you are. You want to know what God looks like? When God created humanity and he started with Adam, he says, in the image of God, I created them. If you want to know what God looks like, every morning when you look into the mirror, you are a reflection of God. That is who you are. Uh, if you are in Christ, if you choose to submit and follow to Jesus Christ, what this means is as a man, you are seen as righteous. That means you have a right standing with God. You are seen as redeemed, which means that no matter how you're growing up or the past uh, uh, things that you've been involved with or the current things, it doesn't, play, it doesn't matter in terms of your standing before God because he has redeemed those things. He has brought those things back. You are a son of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is who you are. We are not defined by what we do. We are defined by what he has done. And when you hold on to that, it gives you a, a strength, a solitude, and a perspective because nothing you do, the Bible says, can ever separate you from the love of God if you're connected to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to hear that as we start this out. I want you to hear that as the foundation as we kind of go through this together. And if you're not connected to Christ, maybe that's the reason that God has you here. Oh, you might have come for a car show, bait and switch, welcome, you know. <laughs> Maybe this is the reason why you're, you're here. Somebody cares about you deeply enough to be able to give this to you. Now, I know I'm going to be talking primarily to men on this day. So doesn't mean, ladies, that what we're going to talk about doesn't apply to you. Listen up, but also don't do this, you know, as we're going through, you know, our message together. So with that as the foundation, we want to look into God's word. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, in addition to Jesus, is, I got to stand a little bit, uh, is uh, King, King David, David, because I like David because uh, he's a real guy. Uh, and I don't know what your growing up was like, uh, but David's family uh, didn't look too highly upon him. Uh, he wasn't uh, noticed as part of the family. See, Samuel came one day to his father, Jesse's household, and was going to anoint the next king of Israel. And so what does Jesse do? Wow, important person. Let's get all of my sons lined up. 
And he went one by one all the way down the line, and no one of these guys was going to be the next king of Israel. And so Samuel was scratching his head, and he's like, I know I'm at the right house. So, so do you have an, happen to have another son that just happens to be here? And it's almost like, oh, yeah. You know, some of you who are babies in the family you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have another one, and he's out uh, tending sheep. Now, you need to understand in those days, well, if you were a sheep tender or herder, that was one of the lowest positions. You know, so he wasn't thought of much. And maybe that was your home life and your experience. You weren't looked at much, esteemed much by his own family, even by his own brothers. Didn't uh, really care for David all that much. So he calls David from out in the field, and all of a sudden he gets anointed as the next king of Israel. Now, what we learned from David that was probably not widely known is that uh, David would protect these sheep. He took his job seriously. In fact, it's, the Bible says that he killed a lion and a bear protecting the sheep with his bare hands. So men, next time you go bear hunting, I need you to up your game a little bit, okay? I want to find somebody that, yeah, I killed a bear with my bare hands. You know, that's the way I roll. And, and so we understand that, man, that here, here's a warrior who then also then becomes king because here's what he decides to do is it's like God was preparing him to face this Goliath first. And most of you know the story of David and Goliath goes out with a sling and a rock and a couple rocks and, and he gets it right in the forehead and he kills him. But my favorite part of the story is he takes Goliath's sword, lops off his head, and David carries around the guy's head all day. That was never in my flannel graphs in Sunday school. But I'll tell you what, I would have listened more, you know, if she had actually shown that. I mean, just imagine, a guy's walking around with somebody else's dome, you know, all day, just like, look what I did. You know, this is what I did. You know, like, you're like, okay, that guy's a man, you know, in terms of what he did. So he's a warrior, he's a, he's a king, it's pretty cool, but you need to also, he had a different side to him. He was a poet. He was a songwriter. A lot of our psalms in our Old Testament are written by King David. And he played the harp. Not the most manly instrument that most guys think of, but he played the harp. And so talk about a well-rounded man. Now, it's not, it doesn't say this in the Bible. This is what I imagine as well, is that he probably could fix anything too. I just, I just imagine that, that that was this kind of the talent he had. But you need to understand that's not the entire story of David, which is why I kind of like him. Turns out, to be honest... If you read the Bible, he wasn't a great father. He fell so short in what it meant to be a father. Maybe it was because of what he learned from his own father. I don't know. But he didn't confront and he didn't discipline his kids well. Not only that, but when he was tempted sexually, guess what? Guys, he gave in. He was on a you know, roof where he should have been somewhere else. He looks down. He sees this woman bathing in the nude. He lusts after her. He calls her. And because of his power and position, he sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. She tells him. And oh, by the way, did I mention she was married to one of his closer friends? One of who the Bible would call a mighty man of God, who was actually with David when he was running from his life from the previous king, Saul. And he did this to his friend's wife. So he goes into panic mode and cover-up mode, and so he tries to get his friend to, he gets his friend to come back and tries to get him, and he has to get him drunk, so there's that influence, good friend there, to sleep with his wife so the cover-up can continue. He refuses, so then he decides, I know what I'll do, I'll have him killed. Okay, so process that. He's an adulterer and now also a murderer, and yet the Bible still says that David was a man after God's own heart. Which, as a man, it helps me to understand I, I don't have to be perfect to still exhibit a heart after God. And that can take some of the pressure off from what you might feel as a man. 
So Nathan, Nathaniel, a prophet, Nathaniel comes to David, confronts him of his sin. He confesses him, and David has to suffer the consequences of his own actions. So let's recap. David is a man. He's a man after God's own heart. He's a warrior, king, poet, musician, adulterer, murderer, and not a great father. And so with that as the background, most of you are not aware of this next passage of Scripture that I want to read to you that I think really encompasses what we're going to talk about today. Because in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 2, it says these words. At the time of King David's death, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. He's going to die. Then he says this. Take courage and be a man. It's one of the best examples in scripture. So here's a father talking to a son from obviously some life lessons that he has learned because he's about to go you know, to, to death. He's about to go be with God. And he says, this is what I want to share with you on my deathbed, my son. And what's great about the Bible is it doesn't leave us to guess. For this is what he says was the most important. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all that you do and wherever that you go. And so if you're a man here, if you're 13, all the way up to 95, this is for you. Listen from a man after God's own heart, some of the principles that we can apply that is timeless and for us today. You see, a man of God first chooses to trust and follow Jesus. And yes, it is a choice. Uh, and it's a choice that causes us to take a risk, to be honest. And, and, and that can be hard, to do something that's uncomfortable, to do something that's out of our comfort zone, but to actually take a risk and say, yeah, I'm going to choose to follow. Uh, you see, Jesus did the same thing. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw these fishermen, for that's what they did, and, and he goes out to them as they caught all this fish, and he looks at them, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So he's going to turn his whole, their whole occupation upside down, and he was going to ask them to do something that was very different, but it was going to be an adventure of a lifetime. And some of us as men, we are living such ordinary lives, and God wants to take that ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary regardless of your age. It doesn't mean you're going to have to change your occupation, but it may change the focus of your occupation, and it's going to cause you to take a risk. Notice again what David said to Solomon, take courage. And be a man. You see, it takes courage to take a risk and to follow Jesus. God actually says something very similar to another Old Testament warrior uh, by the name of Joshua. He says it to him three times. He says, be strong and courageous. And the last time he says it is, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you know who you need to tell to be strong and courageous? Someone who's not strong and courageous, which is what he had to tell Joshua three times. Don't miss this. You see, to be strong and courageous literally means that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of insecurity, but it's moving forward when you experience those feelings anyway. That's what courage is. Strength is not the absence of weakness. It's actually being strong in the face of feeling weak or perceiving that you're weak. So what does that look like? God is calling you as men 
calling us as men to step up into something that may be uncomfortable, which is to follow Jesus, to actually live that kind of adventure. And there may be something specific that he's calling you to do this in your life. Understand this, guys. You got this. How do I know? Because the Bible says the Lord will be with you. You're not alone when you do this. God is with you if you are able to step up and step in to following Jesus with courage. And as our society continues to go further and further away from God God, in our colleges, universities, and workplaces, and social sectors, it's going to be even more risky to be a follower of Jesus. Be strong and courageous. Secondly, the way to trust and follow Jesus, as David told Solomon, is by knowing and following God's word. By knowing and following God's word. You see, one of the the things I know about men is that we don't like to do things that we know we're uncomfortable with or we don't know much about, especially as we get older. We're like, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at that. And we kind of shirk away and shy away from some of those things. And unfortunately, you know, um, knowing God's word and the Bible can be one of those things. Because if you weren't raised with that, if that wasn't your background understanding, you can open it up going, I don't know what the heck I'm reading. Close it and be done with it. But I want to encourage you to press into what is uncomfortable. To spend time in God's word. Spend time with the guy, other guys in God's word and see what begins to take place as you ask those questions and you go on this journey. Uh, one of the easiest ways to do that is what's called the Version Bible app. There's a verse of the day, you know, that you can download that, take a look at it, and then there's all these different plans, and if you get together with a couple other guys, just to give you an idea, I have six to eight guys that we're going through the Bible together, and as you read the passage of Scripture at the end, it gives you opportunities to comment or to ask questions, you know, however you'd like to set it up to be able to have some other guys as you're trying to go on this journey together, which actually leads us to the second point, not only is a man of God willing to follow Jesus, but a man of God then chooses, chooses deep, authentic, genuine, Christ-centered relationships. Uh, I don't know what, what, what's happened, but I know that in our culture, it's not what's esteemed, you know, because guys don't want to show that they actually have burdens and have weaknesses, so we try to cope with it other ways. And I don't know if it maybe even took place back in the Garden of Eden, like when we gave you ladies our rib, maybe we gave that part of ourselves to you too. You know, you ladies seem to do this really well. When it, when it comes, and I know I'm talking generally here, you know, when it comes to relationships, uh, but for guys, it seems to be much rather pour ourselves into work or hobbies or, 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 or other things, you know, as a provider or whatever it may be. But I need you to understand, men, even at the very beginning, when there was no sin, when there was no issues in life, it says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That there's actually not just, it wasn't good enough for just, I mean, think about this, wasn't good enough for Adam and God to be in relationship by themselves. That he actually created us to actually need each other with God at the center. From the very beginning before there was sin. So we need these authentic relationships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I could tell you that I need this in my life. I'm in a group, you know, at our church called Journeymen. You know, it's a group of guys, you know, um, who are on a journey of what it means to be followers of Jesus, especially in high pressure situations that guys follow, find themselves in outside these walls. And we meet, you know, once a month, we talk through some things, but then I meet a couple times during the month with three or four other guys. And there's a time to go deeper. And we just talk about what's really going on in our lives. And I understand, guys, at first, it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but I can promise you that it is life giving. Because I have issues that take place in my life that if it weren't for other guys, I'd be trying to carry them by myself because the culture says I can do it. 
that I'm strong enough, and none of us are strong enough to go through what life throws at us. We need other men to help us in these issues of life, to bear the burdens that God brings in our, in, in our lives. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, it says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not all that important. I love the Bible. Y'all not that important, you know? So just, that's a Southern version, by the way. Um, but I just love that the Bible is just honest. Like, don't think of yourself. You need other people, and other people need you in life. We've got to be there for each other as men. We got a tendency to say, no, I'm good. But the problem is when we say that we're good, we actually usually turn to something else that, to try to help us cope through what we think that we're good at, which we find out we're not. For example, these relationships help in the struggles that most of us have. So let me just list a few that I know that apply to men. How about pride? How about porn? How about substance abuses like alcohol or drugs, workaholism, food issues? The list goes on and on. Do you have men in your life? If not, as a church, we want to introduce this to you because I know it's foreign. I know it can be challenging to have these things. So one of the easiest first opportunities is something that we call men's breakfast. Second Saturday of each month, it's the best $5 breakfast you're going to get in town. And it's a great entry level. It's only about an hour. No, no crying. No crying allowed. Just so you know, guys, I know it's kind of a worry, you know, that you come like, oh, am I going to share my feelings, that kind of stuff. You don't have to. Not this first time. Sharing your feelings and crying is at other places. So that will be different. This one is safe. You can kind of walk through this together. Great place to meet and be introduced to some other guys. We also have men's group that meet, meets throughout the week. Different ones of them. We have life groups for you and your wife to attend. We have celebrate recovery groups for any struggle that you're having, meaning any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you know that you can't get through by yourself because you've tried. So where do I go with that? This is the celebrate recovery group that I come to. Uh, we've got something called radical mentoring where you get to go deeper as a maybe more experienced or further, more mature follower of Christ gets to help you on your journey as a man. Uh, as I mentioned, we also have this journeyman. You know, for those of you who are like, you know, I don't know who to talk to because you've reached different levels of, in, in society that you just feel so isolated. Even though you've climbed that ladder, whether you're a CEO of a business or you're a principal at a school or you're a doctor at a, at a medical place, you know, or you're a manager and you're just like, I don't know who else to talk to that goes through the stuff that I am. That's why we created Journeyman. We even have a yearly retreat for men called Men's Expedition, which this year is September 15th to 17th. Just something to be able to put, put, you know, put on the calendar. What I'm saying is that there is something for everyone to connect with other men who are also on this journey with you. But here's what I can promise you, it's not easy. Because intuitively, this is, this, this is not something that a lot of men gravitate towards. You actually have to put yourself out there. And putting yourself out there, I know it's uncomfortable, it's hard. You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. In fact, I want you to hear from Brandon Wood, whose story from one year ago today on what ha what's happened in his life. Go ahead and look at the screen with me now. As men, we need to hold it back, uh, take care of the family, be the provider. And I couldn't. I was at a car show over in Coeur d'Alene. I just happened to run across a booth that was talking about uh, VRL and that they had a Father's Day car show. That sparked my interest and something was telling me that day that I needed to go. I wasn't able to uh, have my son with me on Father's Day. So 
uh, my best alternative was to go to a car show and take that opportunity to have a, a FaceTime call with my son and show him the cars and enjoy a day with him, even though he couldn't be next to me. Just kind of enjoying looking around, seeing the cars, and uh, I noticed they had a, a little sign that talked about recovery. In May, I lost my best friend to a tragic car accident. And so my losses have been big between my divorce, my best friend of over 20 years, that, you know, losing him and just my world just kind of crumbling. And that Monday, and said, what do I have to lose? And uh, I walked in, open arms when I came in. It took me a little while to open up to that, but once I opened up, I got to learn I'm not alone and that there's just as many people out there that are dealing with something similar or different than you that you can relate to and work on together. It's given me hope and, uh, and, and the faith and, the, and building of the trust and, and being able to be open about things that I haven't normally been open to. And I feel like I was led there for a reason. And I'm proud of my journey. Uh, it's been tough. It can be a, a brutal process. My car, I've had it for almost 20 years now, and I've done everything on it, from the stereo to the paint, to the bodywork, to the suspension. I've got a motor built for it right now that just isn't quite ready to go in yet, but it's built, and that's been a lot of work, putting a, putting a nice motor together for it. All those little bits and pieces it's just like us. You just got to slowly find the right pieces, put that puzzle together, and then next thing you know, here you are shining. As hard as it is, don't be afraid to walk through the door. I found at VRL, they have some of the most open arms of anywhere I've been. And I've tried. I've tried going other places, and I've walked away. This is honestly the first place that I can say, every day, I'm happy I'm there. Awesome. One year. Brandon discovered something that I hope all of you men will discover as well. The importance for those authentic, deep relationships with Jesus at the center. We need one another if we're going to follow him together. And so if we're following Jesus and if we're in these authentic relationships together, it will then lead to an understanding that a man of God is a leader demonstrated by sacrifice and service. Not to lord it over, not to dominate. In fact, even back in Jesus' day, they thought it was different when it came to what it was looked like to be a man. In Luke chapter 22, we read that these disciples began to argue amongst themselves you know, about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you, it will be different. Those of you who are the greatest should take the lowest rank and be the leader, should be the like the servant, which is exactly what Jesus modeled for us. That's what it looks like. And so as we look at that, a man of God needs to be a leader when it comes to service and sacrifice. And what all, almost all men have is three common areas. It's going to be work. If you're not you know, working and you're in school, just replace work with school. Uh, the second would be in the home. And the third is at church, that God's calling us to be leaders. And so what does it look like to lead at work? Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So what if tomorrow morning, men, you went to the job that you may not like very much and the boss that you don't care for, and you realize that's no longer my boss. Jesus is my boss. 
And what if the coworkers that may annoy you left and right are not just some people who are supposed to come alongside you, but somebody that you get a chance to shine a light for? How does that change your work environment? How does it change how you view work going in there as a leader? Not, be, not being a victim of your circumstances, but being, no, this is where I am at, and this is what I'm going to do because God has called me to be a leader through sacrifice and service at my job or at my school. The second would be leading in the home. And so uh, as it pertains to marriage, check this out. In Ephesians 5, 21, it says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what he's talking about is wives and husbands, there's a mutual submission that should be taking place. Husbands submitting to wives, wives submitting to husbands. That starts in verse 21. Then it says for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. This is why knowing God's words is important. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Don't miss this. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Let me say that again. A man who actually loves his wife actually shows love for himself because the Bible talks about the two becoming one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So let me just pause just right there. Men, husbands, your wife needs love. And you know how she's wired to receive that. Now, and if I'm talking about generalities, again, this is just generalized. I know there's exceptions. I don't need emails and exceptions. I can only talk to generalities, okay? You know, studies have shown, you know, for many women, stability and security are two of the values that women most love. And they love, you know, that kind of experience from their husbands. But here's what's challenging, right? How do you love your wife when she's unlovable, right? I have this in counseling offices. Shoot, I have it in my own head sometimes when I'm dealing with my own spouse. We're like, well, she doesn't deserve my love today. I reread the scripture. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, well, when she's done a good job, you know, when she has loved you, when she has done the things that fill your needs, then, then love for her. No, it's not based on a clause or a condition, it's based on because of Christ has loved us, we are called to sacrifice and give ourselves for our wives. That's what that looks like, is to be that kind of man. And so what an opportunity over these next 30 days, can you find a way to love specifically on your wife and be the man that God has called you to be? Now, ladies, you're not off the hook. <laughs> I want you to win. I want you to win in these relationships. And so a way that a man experiences love is that last verse, respect. So here's what I want to encourage you not to do and then something encouraged to do. First, don't dishonor, say negative things, even in joke around public about your man. When you do that, it emasculates him like no other. And you might have said, well, we've been married for years. We do this all the time. It's only because he's used to it. It's not because it's a good thing. And so a men, typically, they just feel elevated when there's a verbal expression of, I respect you, I appreciate you. So here would be my challenge for you as, as, as gals. For the next 30 days, is that find one thing every day that you can say that you appreciate genuinely and respect about your husband. Say it. Verbalize it. Text it. Just for the next 30 days. Now, here's what's challenging is, is ladies, those of you who are moms, you already do this with your kids. You know that if the only things you told your kids was how they're not doing things or what they should be doing, that would deflate them greatly. And yet we do that sometimes in some seasons with our husbands. And I get it. There are many days that he doesn't deserve it. 
right? But in the same way, that's not what Christ says. Christ says, because of what Christ has done for us, esteem him through this idea of respect. And here's what you will find. It doesn't take long for those shoulders that are kind of slumped down for after a couple days of this, we'll start doing this. And he'll become your proud peacock once again. (laughs) He will be like, yes, I'm the man of this house again. Thank you. I have a woman who respects me. Watch. It happens all the time. And I get it. The hardest days is because many days he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned it. But that's why we do it anyway. Now, men, our temptation, honestly, is to abdicate leadership. You know, to abdicate leadership, especially in the home and the church. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, you remember, you know, when the serpent comes out and it's the Satan and he tries to tempt, you know, Adam and Eve with the fruit. Might have been an apple. You know, I doubt it was an apple, but it's just a fruit. And, 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 and then she takes it and she eats it and sin enters into the world. Where the heck is Adam? If you study the Bible, do you know where Adam was when this conversation was happening? Standing next to Eve. I'm like, really? You were the one that was told by God. You were the one that was there. You were the one from the beginning, and you abdicated a responsibility. You didn't defend. You didn't jump in. You didn't say, hey, this doesn't sound right. You did nothing. And there's that tendency for men to abdicate this leadership because, quite frankly, ladies, you kill it. You're awesome. So many of you guys in the home, even in the church, you know, you lead spiritually so well that as men, we're like, oh, one less thing I have to worry about. You do this. I'm going to go work at work more. I'm going to work at my hobbies more. I'm going to work at things that I'm passionate about more. But guys, I want to challenge us as men, the church spiritually, the home spiritually needs you to step up and use your gifts. Uh, In fact, uh, this is what 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together, not just the ladies, are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And I get get it. Maybe you were taught as men that uh, the only two positions of leadership in a church is if you are a pastor or a life group leader of some kind, or if you could hold babies. And you're like, I don't want to be in either one of them. I'm not equipped. I'm not prepared for that. But here's what I need you to know. Here at Valley Real Life, I'm going to tell you some other things that men have done even recently within the last year. Did you know that all of our wireless service here at the church was installed by men, specifically a man who owns a wireless service company that says, here's my gift that I can contribute as part of the church? Did you know that most all of the painting that has been done inside and outside the church has been done by men. I've seen the crews that have come in here. And the man who owns the company said, this is my church and this is my way to be able to serve. Did you know we've had the landscaping that was done? How many of you guys love the landscaping that was done out here with the fountains and everything? Yeah, amazing. Isn't that cool? They put that in this week. Ladies, there was not a single one of you. It was all men, you know, that were, they put him in there. And the person who owns the landscaping company is part of our church who said, this is an opportunity for me to serve and got his crew to be able to do that. Did you know that most of the tech and installations that were put into the lobby that were there were hung by men, the drywall and the different things there because they said, this is what I can contribute to the church. Do you know we have men who are real estate owners and agents who are leading and heads of our hospitality areas? Why? Because they're great at selling stuff right? I mean, they know how to get teams together. And so they're in charge of our greeting teams and, and making that happen. And there's so many more. There is a place at our church for God to use the gifts in which he has given to you to honor him and his body in some aspect and some place of our church. So I want to end with where we started. 
I need you to not leave. Because right now you could be like, man, I'm just, here's another list of to-dos I've got to do, and I've got to be a better leader, and I've got to follow Jesus, and I've got to know God's word. And if you walk away with that, you're going to miss this. Men, you need to remember who you are. Go ahead and check out the screen with me now. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. have to remember who you are. I love the lines that are in there. He lives in you. So understand that your identity is Christ in you. When you accept Jesus, you have a new identity. You are the son of the king of kings and lord of lords. Do you understand that the way that we become the men that God has called us to become is not by trying harder. It's by submitting ourselves to Jesus' spirit in us. He's the one that does the work. As we spend time with him, he's the one that says, embrace who I created you to be. You just need to step into who you already are in me. And so you are redeemed. You are chosen. You are a son. You are connected to the King of kings and Lord of lords in this life, which will usher you into eternity together because of nothing that you have done, but everything that he has done for you. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that apart from him, we are far away. We're, we're, we're in chaos, just look at our culture. But connected to him, you step into that embrace. And so when you start thinking that you're being criticized and downplayed and not measuring up and doing that, go back to David and remember that you are a man after God's own heart and that you have received Christ and in Christ, your identity is in him. And out of that identity, you become who he created you to be, a man of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today and the opportunity to embrace who we are in you. 
Father, I just pray that you would just uh, help us. I know that we have different experiences and backgrounds. Pain, whether we've caused it or have been caused to us, and yet at the same time, what an encouraging moment to remember who we are. Lord, I just pray that you would just be with anyone who's on the fence about processing whether to choose to follow you and that this would be the defining moment in their life like it was for Brandon. May they have the courage to take a risk. May they have the courage to be a man after you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.